what if there were a fountain of youth pill that could add decades to your life? Would you take it? Unlocking the Fountain is a podcast about the mysteries of aging and the scientific quest to slow, stop, or even reverse it. When do you think we're going to have the first 150-year-old? I think that person's already alive. Unlocking the Fountain. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. Today, we're asking what COVID-19 vaccines are coming next and how effective will they and the existing vaccines be against the COVID variants. Hi, Zane. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm okay. I have to say that I'm a little worried about what's going on with COVID these days. And I want to ask you something, Zane. If you could put a title to the chapter of February 2021, what would you call it? Um, I would still say hope. I don't think it's a negative time of things. I think hope is still still the proper term. Not the virus strikes back. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Uh, I was kind of thinking of leaning into despair, but if you've got hope, then, then you know what? I'll take a dozen of what you got. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's let's just think about what it was like in February 2020, and 2021 is a lot more hope than then. Oh, I, I you know what? I'm looking forward to this conversation, but I want you to start with, with uh, Zane. Hi, my name is, and tell me what you do in a sentence or two. Just ad lib it. So Zane Shagla, I, I'm an infectious disease physician at St. Joseph's Hamilton. I've been there for eight years. I'm medical director of infection control there. Um, uh, and I'm an associate professor in the Department of Medicine at McMaster University. Okay, here we go. To me, it's starting to feel like we're on a pandemic ledge. Worrisome news that the variants are spreading here, vaccine delays, endless pandemic restrictions and lockdowns, polar vortex. Did I mention it's February? <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about the new, more infectious coronavirus strains here on The Dose last month, but even in a few short weeks, we know a lot more. We have a better picture of how much the variants are spreading here. We also know a bit more about which existing vaccines work and which ones don't work against the variants. And Zane Chagla is here to help break down what all of that means for you. Dr. Chagla, welcome back to The Dose. Oh, thanks for having me. Before we get to the different vaccines, what do we know about the spread of the variants in Canada as of this week? Yeah, so I mean, the UK variant is the one that's probably seen the most spread in Canada. Uh, big surveys that are being done across the country in Ontario. Uh, approximately 1.2% of all the isolates from January 20th were positive for B117. They were distributed around the province as well. A lot of them without uh, travel links, suggesting this is here and transmitting. Uh, and, you know, similar numbers across the country. It's a little bit hard to tell exactly how much is out there, given not uh, all provinces are doing all of their samples. And so it's a little bit of a tip of the iceberg scenario. The variant described in South Africa, B1351, is also here. There have been a few community links, although the percentage of it is significantly less than uh, what was seen in B117, the variant first described in the UK. Let's, let's talk about that B117 for just a second. 1.2% uh, of, the, of the total percentage of, of COVID positive cases in this country doesn't seem like a lot, but we heard predictions that B117 could be the dominant strain in the United States by mid-March. So what about Canada? 
you know, in, in the UK and Ireland, it's essentially become the dominant strain already in Denmark, which is one of the first places hit and also one that does a lot of genetic surveillance. We're seeing numbers in about the 20% range there, again, over the course of about six to eight weeks of spread. Uh, and so, yeah, you can see in multiple global examples, even in the context of some degree of restrictions, you see the replacement relatively quickly uh, of uh, of the circulating virus strain, and and really, yeah, is a testament to how transmissible this uh, this novel variant is. And uh, Zane, just just for clarification, I read in the Globe and Mail that they were calling that South African variant the one that you called B one three five one five zero one Y dot B two. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that sounds a little bit like like a model of the Enterprise or the USS Enterprise or, or maybe, you know, R2-D2. It must be, you know, how hard is it for you to keep track of these, of these yeah. n- numeric and, uh, you know, the, the, these, the, these weird names? No, absolutely. And it's also being cognizant as well. I think another big issue that's obviously come up is the place where these are first described. You do not want to be necessarily creating a disease association with those places. Uh, it's hard keeping up. The nomenclature changes, but uh, but again, I, hopefully people are getting these on the tip of their tongue in terms of which one is which and which one is uh, is the serious ones in that sense. So what do we know about how well the two approved vaccines in Canada, the one from Moderna and uh, Pfizer-BioNTech, work against the variants both uh, B117 and, and B1351 or 501YV2, the one that was first described in South Africa? So uh, the B117, thankfully, at the end of it, seems like it's the one that's fairly spared from any major issues uh, with the, the vaccination. So it does start getting a little bit trickier when we start talking about B1351, the, the variant first described in South Africa. The, the Essentially, the spike protein, which all these vaccines try to work for, is changed in its shape enough so that natural antibodies don't bind. And we know our natural antibodies are what are generated by vaccines vaccines, it's important to know the immune system is much more complex than just a bunch of antibodies that are thrown at the virus at one specific time. Uh, And so we don't have real live data from both Pfizer and Moderna in terms of what that translates to into does do people get infected? Do people have less infections? Do people not transmit as much? Do people end up hospitalized or dying? We do know, though, that at least one mechanism of the immune system may not work as well for these components, but still within what would be considered uh, acceptable in many contexts. So it's not a, a complete loss for those by any means. So let's break down the three vaccines that are expected to be approved in the coming months. AstraZeneca's could be approved by Health Canada as soon as this week. How effective is it broadly against COVID? Yeah, so uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine uh, really had one large trial that was a combination of both Brazil and uh, and the United Kingdom. They they did a lower dose trial, and it was about ninety percent efficacious in preventing symptomatic COVID nineteen, uh, and then about sixty two percent effective when using the standard dose. So kind of combined to about seventy percent effective. So relatively good. And again, this is the vaccine that theoretically has a very very comfortable storage requirement at what would. Be 
you even consider the refrigerator you have in your house from the standpoint of a global rollout, you know, and, and a dose um, interval of up to 90 days really, really does have some very unique features that make it a good kind of large scale vaccine. So the news you've described is good news. Mm-hmm. And yet South Africa halted the rollout of the AstraZeneca vaccine after early clinical trial results showed it offered minimal protection against mild and moderate COVID-19 uh, against the uh, the South African variant uh, B1351, sometimes called 501YV2. How big a setback is that? I mean, obviously, it's it's not what you want to see. This vaccine was really meant to be for the developing world and, and to have an area that's been hit so hard in the developing world uh, and, and Southern Africa being, you know, taken over by this variant, it, it, it's not what you want to see. If you're sitting there as a South African health minister, you know, knowing that you're going to invest this strategy and you need this pandemic to end, you need things to come under control, you know, it's it's hard to let that vaccine go forward the only issue is, is because it's a young and healthy population that was getting that vaccine, you still don't have great news or, or good news or bad news in terms of if these vaccines still prevent hospitalizations and death. And, you know, knowing the mechanism of the vaccines, even in the context of failure, uh, they still have these benefits. And so, you know, I think AstraZeneca needs to get more data in that setting, but it still could be a useful intervention there. But given the fact that the AstraZeneca vaccine could be approved by Health Canada as soon as this week, what does this news from South Africa mean for us? Yeah, I mean, again, I would rather have more vaccine in arms than less vaccine in arms. Right now, we do not have a single intervention that is robustly preventing hospitalization and death. And knowing the mechanisms of these vaccines, knowing that this vaccine works well with B117, you know, again, I would rather have every citizen in Canada have this vaccine. It's going to have profound effects on our healthcare system. So basically, you're saying that the news from South Africa means almost nothing in Canada at the present time because the prevailing strains of COVID-19 should be uh, prevented using mm-hmm. the AstraZeneca vaccine. Yeah, and absolutely. And then the logistics of actually administering it are so much better than what else is there in terms of Moderna and Pfizer. Again, we can't let the uh, perfection be the enemy of good. Having access to this vaccine and having large scale access to this vaccine still means more people get vaccinated. And yes, if we have to catch up later or give them a secondary vaccine, so be it. If we spare people from hospitalization and death, it's still going to have profound effects for our healthcare system and our ability to, to freely operate society as we move forward. Do you know who said perfection is the enemy of good? I don't. Who said it? Voltaire. I mean, it, it seems like that quote I use throughout the pandemic. I think, you know, as we talk about these vaccines, again, people shouldn't be necessarily playing fantasy football to say which one is going to succeed the most. They all have their place in society. So let's go on to another vaccine. Johnson & Johnson submitted Mm -hmm. their one-shot vaccine for approval in the U.S. last week. It's one dose. It can be stored at regular uh, refrigerator temperature. There's been a lot of anticipation that this one could be the game changer. So what do you think? The data for the non-variant strains seems to be adequate, you know, 60 to 70% per, per protection, depending on the population you, you look at. Again, people may look at Moderna and Pfizer and say 95%, why would I take 70%? But the fact that it's a single dose that be, can be given, 
across all the trial settings, including South Africa. After about day 40, there was zero hospitalization and death seen in the trials of Johnson & Johnson, which is incredibly remarkable considering, uh, again, how easy it is to administer this vaccine at a room temperature requirement. And so, you know, again, this isn't necessarily going to be the vaccine that ends the pandemic. This is going to be the vaccine that gets us out of people suffering and people dying uh, and healthcare systems being overloaded seeing the efficacy still at about 50% in South Africa and many of those being B1351 cases you know that that's still very promising as as that setting is obviously the toughest so yeah absolutely there's a lot of hope with this vaccine it may not be as efficacious as Pfizer and Moderna but again perfection is the enemy of good if we had the entire Canadian population have a dose of Johnson and Johnson tomorrow knowing that in 40 days most people would not be hospitalized or die from COVID-19 I think all of us would breathe a huge sigh of relief that the, the major phase of this pandemic is over and we can get back to normal life. Now for another vaccine, <laughs> Novavax. There are a lot, and, and you know what? That's the best news That's of all. Fantastic, so many vaccines right? Yeah. So Novavax has submitted its vaccine data for Health Canada review. And last week, the federal government announced Canada will produce some of its vaccine doses in Canada at a facility in Montreal. How effective is the Novavax vaccine? Yeah, so Novavax uh, very much so is uh, it looks to be very effective in uh, in the settings it's been trialed in in the UK, particularly against the B117 variant. Efficacy is similar to that in the 90% range for most settings. Uh, in South Africa, we do see the rate again fall down to 60%. Knowing again, this is a vaccine that has a typical refrigerator component that you still do see efficacies that are comparable to Pfizer and Moderna. This is an incredibly important vaccine for both settings uh, and very, very promising for B117 as well as what's circulating here in Canada normally. So taking a look at all the vaccines, mm -hmm. we get this question from time to time, is there a best vaccine to get? You know, it's hard to make a, an apples to apples estimate to say which is the best vaccine out there. To me, again, the best vaccine is the one that's administered. And so, you know, uh, every Canadian should be hopeful that they can get one of these vaccines, period. Uh, and, and knowing that, again, you know, preventing hospitalizations and deaths as a minimum is going to be an effect of these vaccines is, is again, so profound and that we are still learning day by day. These vaccines are being reverse engineered to now deal with the variants and Moderna uh, as well as AstraZeneca have made commitments to that. Uh, and again, we're doing so much research day by day in terms of what this practically looks like in a population. We may be talking about a completely different vaccine strategy in January. People may be getting Pfizer initially and then getting AstraZeneca six months later. You know, again, if people get offered a vaccine, take the vaccine you get. Even one of these vaccines in hands is going to have significant effects on a healthcare system that doesn't have any other options right now. And yet, it's really hard to talk in theory, about what the benefits of getting one vaccine or another or getting a combination of them in a country like Canada where the, the rollout has been uh, very slow. So, so what impact does Canada's vaccine rollout as it is right now have on our ability to get control of the pandemic? Canadians obviously are, are anxious and worried. Um, you know, it is a, an incredibly competitive global supply chain as everyone wants to get access to these for their own population. Um, and I think, you know, obviously people need to know there is a possible future and every month more vaccines are coming out day by day, doses by doses. 
Um, but people have to hold on tight for it because, it, you know, there needs to be some time to get it into the right arms. And there needs to be some time for it to work even in those right arms. And we're nowhere near there yet. So in the meantime, how do we get out of lockdown and pandemic restrictions with these variants in circulation and kind of gaining uh, in strength in this country? The variants still, based on all evidence, circulate the entirely the same way as everything else. And so, uh, you know, still these public health rules are incredibly important in terms of distancing, masking, hand hygiene, getting tested while ill. So we know if these variants are circulating in Canada and really trying to minimize contacts as much as possible, uh, limiting it to people that are essential for us. I think, unfortunately, these probably do have to continue. This is the time of year where we see respiratory viruses, you know, put their hold in Canada, particularly with our polar vortex winters. Uh, And knowing this, unfortunately, it does mean we have to hold on for a little bit longer with these. As we start opening up, we also need to start talking about some of those difficult to reach populations that are seeing the brunt of COVID-19. And I think there's still calls for, you know, universal sick day coverage, better workplace controls, incentivizing people who are in workplaces to get tested while they're ill and not face financial hardship uh, that are going to be long-term questions that aren't really even in this next one to two weeks, but one to two years while we're dealing with vaccines and COVID-19 and moving forward. Uh, do you have kids who say, are we there yet? I know nobody's out driving these days. Yeah, obviously. I have family and friends every day that <laughs> say when this is going to end, right? And, uh, you know, it's it's been a trying time. The fact that we have gotten to this point and, and we've been listening and adherent really does say much to what Canadians are and their humanity. But we're not there yet. Uh, we are, you know, we hopefully can talk about a summer and a fall that is getting back to normal. Um, But, you know, certainly this next couple of months are going to be pretty critical with everything ongoing with the variants and the vaccine rollout in that race against getting more arms immunized. Summertime sounds good to me. (laughs) Uh, Where do you get your optimism from? Again, I reflect on every day of what it was a year ago, right? A year ago, I remember having meetings every day in the hospital saying, when is this coming to Canada? How are we going to handle it? You know, seeing those apocalyptic images of what was going on in China and in Italy, knowing that that was going to be here. And now a year later, again, we're having a podcast talking about five vaccines and the rollout and comparing them and their efficacy. And it, yeah, again, the human spirit is incredible. And the scientific community has been incredible in all of this. The summertime obviously means we get outside and our respiratory season settles down. Uh, And so, yeah, I mean, I think we we start this year and have the summer with a whole lot more tools in the basket. Variants, you know, being one complication to this, but many more positives than negatives going forward. So maybe we can call that chapter in your book a uh, coronucopia of vaccines. <laughs> I was trying to think of what the last proper Star Wars movie would be and maybe maybe try to assimilate a title from that in that sense. A New Hope? Yeah, I think so, right? Okay, I like that. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Dr. Zane Chagla, for uh, spreading some good cheer and some good information about uh, the new vaccines and the variants. No problem. Wishing you all the best. That was Dr. Zane Chagla. He's an associate professor of medicine at McMaster University and an infectious disease specialist at St. Joseph's Healthcare in Hamilton. When it comes to COVID vaccines that are in the pipeline, there's good news and there's reason to be a bit concerned. 
in addition to the ones by Moderna and Pfizer-BioNTech. The AstraZeneca vaccine could be approved as soon as this week. The vaccine by Johnson & Johnson requires just one dose and can be stored at room temperature, making it easier to vaccinate Canadians. The Novavax vaccine may have some of its doses made in Canada. All of them are very effective against the strains of COVID that existed before the variants. The existing COVID vaccines may not work as well against those new strains, some of which we're starting to see in Canada. The AstraZeneca vaccine may only provide minimal protection against mild and moderate COVID from the B1351 or 501Y.V2 variant from South Africa. Dr. Chaglis says not to worry yet. We need more scientific evidence before making firm conclusions. If these vaccines are 50 or 60 percent effective, that's still good news. There's no preferred vaccine yet based on science. If you're offered any of the five vaccines against COVID, take it. Studies are underway to see whether a combination of vaccines could be more effective than any one of them. The slow vaccine rollout and the emergence of COVID variants mean we must continue to follow public health guidelines such as wearing masks and physical distancing. But overall, we're way ahead of where we were just a year ago. Hang tight and we'll get through this. For more handy information on what you need to know about the various vaccines, head to our website, cbc.ca slash whitecoat. If you have topics you'd like to hear on The Dose or questions you'd like answered, email us at thedose at cbc.ca. You can also tweet me at NightShiftMD or at CBC Whitecoat using the hashtag TheDoseCBC. You can find The Dose and Whitecoat Blackheart wherever you get your podcasts. Please do us a favor and rate our shows highly so more people can find us. This episode of The Dose was produced by Willow Smith and Donna Dingwall with digital support from Fabiola Carletti. Thanks to Stefan Oprischko for technical support. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health, but if you're looking for medical advice, see your healthcare provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.